Please be seated. The text for the sermon this day is taken from Matthew 26, those verses we heard earlier. Grace, peace, and mercy to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The reading you heard a little bit ago includes a character named Caiaphas. Caiaphas, the high priest, a person who is pretty well attested to historically. And so Caiaphas prophesies during that year, you can read about it in the Gospel of John, that it is better for one man to die for the nation than the whole nation to die for one man. That gives you a little bit of context as to what is happening. Why Caiaphas makes sure that Jesus goes under trial. Because part of it is envy, it's jealousy. There are those who are jealous because Jesus is getting such fame and notoriety. He's doing such incredible miracles and wonders. Pontius Pilate was aware of this, is aware of this during the trial. But Caiaphas also knows the history in Israel. That there are people that have risen up in Israel, and the Romans, when these people risen up, came in, conquered them, crushed them, and left much destruction in, its, in their wake. They are afraid that if Jesus were to raise up such an insurrection, calling himself the Christ or the Messiah, that he might create an insurrection. And if there was an insurrection, then Rome might come in and destroy Jerusalem and maybe even destroy the temple. And 40 years later, it proved that's not entirely irrational because the Romans did do that very thing 40 years later. So Caiaphas realizes that Jesus needs to be silenced. He realizes that this man has to die. So Jesus is brought before the Sanhedrin, which, by the way, one of the deep... You know, we know that Peter, it says that Peter denied Jesus three times before what? Rooster crowed, which tells you the sun has not come up yet. So this is before 6 o'clock in the morning, letting you know that what they are doing is illegal under Roman law. Nothing is supposed to happen until after 6 o'clock. They are going against those laws. That's why if you ever see the movie The Passion of the Christ, there's a lot of concern from that one Roman soldier, like, they're not supposed to be doing anything. What's going on? So they bring in Jesus, because the thing that they know is that Jesus needs to be brought before Pilate. They know that Jesus need, they believe that Jesus needs to be killed to protect the nation. And so much of them come up with all these ideas, all these schemes as to how to convict him. And so they come forward and they come up with all these different things that he did. He said he would destroy, he would destroy the temple of God and rebuild it in three days and many other false witnesses they brought before him. But Caiaphas is a little bit smart. 
He realizes, for one, you cannot kill somebody just because you don't like them. So he knew there had to be a good case. Furthermore, he knew that he had to have a good case to bring before Pilate. See, the cruci- the, this whole s- trial, the whole crucifixion, happened in April of 33 AD. In November of 32, it was decreed by Pilate that the Jews could not execute anybody without his authority. Which is why they would later say that by law, we cannot execute this man. Only you can. Because Rome declared it illegal. So they know they need to have a case that will convince Pilate. And when Caiaphas realizes they're getting nowhere, he says, I adjure you by the living God, tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. Jesus said to him, you have said so. But I tell you, from now on you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his robes and said he has uttered blasphemy. What further witnesses do we need? That is an old sign that you read through the Old Testament. Whenever somebody commits a grievous blasphemy, the reaction of the priest or the, or the king or whoever was to tear their very expensive garments out of rage. Because what Jesus just said He was referencing the book of Daniel. Jesus was claiming to be God. And as you heard in that reading from Leviticus a little bit ago, if Jesus is not the Son of Man, if he is not going to descend on the clouds of power, then he is committing blasphemy. And according to Leviticus, that is punishable by death. If Jesus is not who he says he is. That's why Caiaphas reacts the way he does. See, over this Lenten series, we've been focusing on a theme of return to the Lord, echoing a verse that we heard in, from Ash Wednesday, return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful. The season of Lent is a season of repentance. That, face, that, that phrase, return to the Lord, is a call to repentance. Last week, you're called to repent for the times that you betrayed God. Two weeks ago, you were called upon to repent, to return to the Lord in the times that you have failed to pray. And here, in this reading, you see a call to repent, to return to the Lord for the moments you have broken the Eighth Commandment. What is that Eighth Commandment? Let's see if you, hopefully many of you have it memorized, but in case you don't, you shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. What does this mean? We should fear and love God so that we do not tell lies about our neighbor, betray him, slander him, or hurt his reputation. 
but defend him, speak well of him, and explain everything in the kindest way. And they're reading in the gospel, you see the people, the Sanhedrin, these religious leaders, using their religious authority to do exactly the opposite of this. To not defend Jesus, to tear down his reputation, to make up lies and slanders to get him convicted to death. In the church, bearing false witness is common, almost to the point that it's cliche that Christians have a strong tendency to gossip and talk about other Christians. It's bordering on cliche to talk about the whenever Christian women gather together, they're going to be talking about someone else. It's got to be that so often we, whenever we hear that call for prayer requests, we use that time of hearing requests for prayers as a time to gossip and get the latest news on whoever we can. Even though we are brothers and sisters in Christ, all of us are sinners, redeemed by the grace of God, quite often we look only to the failings. We only look to report respect represent people in the worst possible way. Did you hear what per such and such did? Did you hear that thing that they said? Did you hear how this person's back in jail? I mean, we have, an we have in the back of our newspaper, which there's reasons for that, but you look on the back of it, you see certain person, this person's in the police blot, and you're like, ah, look at what they're doing. Let's talk. I can't wait to talk to my my next person about this person being there. Then maybe you see them in church or whatever, like, oh, I know what you did this week or a couple weeks ago. We like to talk. The eighth commandment is a commandment that is so commonly broken in the church. It's even broken in relationship to those who serve in the church whether it be for those who volunteer, whether it be for those who are serving in a music capacity, whether it be those who are serving as secretary of the congregation, whether it be about the pastor in the neighboring community, or maybe it could be about our synodical president, Matthew Harrison, or our district president, Steve Turner. Yes, pastors are really, really bad about bearing false witness about other pastors. Or laity, bearing false witness about pastors of other churches. And sometimes it's even about your own pastors. Not speaking the best. Not putting the best construction. The church is a place that should be building one another up, building other reputations speaking well of others, explaining everything in the kindest way. But so often we speak ill 
we attack and explain everything in the worst way. We're not that different from that group of the Sanhedrin. Sometimes we want to convince ourselves we will be nothing like those people in the Gospels. Oh, we would never, ever speak against Jesus. We wouldn't do the things that they did. But the sinful nature that runs through their veins runs through your veins as well. And so the season of Lent calls you return to the Lord. Repent. Confess your sin. Confess all sins that you've committed. Confess when you have bared false witness against your neighbor. Repent of it. Desire to turn over a new leaf. That is what we are called to return to confess. But you see, when Jesus was on that trial, when he was being convicted of all these things, and he could have ended it every any time he wanted, one of the questions that quite often gets asked, and this will come up when you, again when we have him before Pilate, so often it's like, why doesn't Jesus say anything? Because one of the theories I heard was that Jesus spoke up, he would have silenced the crowd. But he had to go to the cross. He had to be crucified. Because the sinful nature that ran through the veins of those who were condemning him runs through our veins and runs through the veins of every single human being. He had to go to the cross to bring redemption, to bring salvation to all those who by grace confess him as Lord. See, we return to the Lord our God to repent. We return to the Lord our God for the times when we bear false witness. We return to the Lord our God when we betray him in our actions and our deed in our words. We return to the Lord our God when we fail to pray, to praise him, to give thanks to him. We return to the Lord our God for he is gracious. He is merciful. He is abounding in steadfast love, most clearly shown in the death of his son on the cross by which he get pours that steadfast love upon you pours that grace on you that you receive forgiveness you receive cleansing and by his spirit you're enabled day by day to be more and more as he has called you to be so may our God guide us to be speakers of well of others, defender of others, explaining everything in the kindest way, even on social media, because that's another obvious application. May he guide us to do better. And when we fail, return to him. Receive his grace, which never ends. In Jesus' name, amen.
The grace, peace, and mercy of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, keeping the one true faith to life everlasting. Amen.